If you are a person who likes to wait, then you're not normal. Nobody likes to wait, at least not every time. We may not mind it every once in a while, but most of us don't like to wait all the time. Our children sometimes read that little book by Dr. Seuss, Oh, the Places You Will Go. And in the middle of that book, it has a couple of pages talking about the waiting place where everybody is just waiting. We spend a lot of our time in our lives waiting. Sometimes it's for things that really just aren't that important. That drives us crazy. Sometimes it's for things that really are important, and that drives us crazy because we want to know how this is going to turn out. Maybe it's waiting for a report from a doctor or waiting for someone to answer a very important life question. As you come near the end of the book of 2 Thessalonians, we're reminded that we as Christians are waiting for something far more important than any of those, and that is the second coming of Christ. And I want us to think, this I almost said tonight, this afternoon, uh, very briefly, from the text that Connor read to us a few moments ago, about this simple fact, that while we wait, there is still work to do. You see, those who were living at Thessalonica had basically stopped working at all. They either thought that Christ had already returned or he was going to return very soon, and so we'll just stop and just wait for him. And I believe Tyler will talk more about that next Sunday night, Lord willing. But I need to mention that to fit in with what we're going to be thinking about for the next few moments. Because as Christians, there's still work for us to do. We can't just stop and wait for Christ to return. We have to continue on. And in this text, there are three things. Number one, while we wait, we need to encourage evangelism. Encourage evangelism. You know, we're taught very often the Great Commission that Jesus told us to go and make disciples of all nations, and that is our work as Christians. We sometimes call that the marching orders of the church. But there is also a sense in which we need to be encouraging of those who are fulfilling that command. Of course, all of us need to be fulfilling that command, but we also need to be encouraging those who are. And so Paul, in this chapter, the third chapter of Second Thessalonians, writes, pray for us. He doesn't go into some kind of big fundraising campaign. He just says, if you want to encourage those who are being evangelistic, pray for us. And he mentions some specific prayers. He says they need to pray that the gospel be speeded along or speeded ahead. That may be a strange way of wording it. We don't talk that way, but we get the point. That the, the quickest that the gospel can reach lost souls, that's, that needs to be our prayer. In the time in which we live, how much easier is it to reach people with the gospel speedily because of things like technology and other things? But we must pray for those who are trying to reach as many people as possible. And Paul also says they need to pray that the gospel be honored or the King James Version has glorified Really, what he's saying is obeyed because that's how the gospel is honored or glorified, is when it reaches someone's heart and they obey it. Pray the gospel is honored. And also, Paul says, pray for the messengers, the safety of the messengers. Paul knew the danger of following Christ. And you think about that, that's true for a couple of reasons. He knew it because he had been one who persecuted those who were followers of Christ. And then he himself had been persecuted. This church at Thessalonica had been begun in the midst of persecution. Acts chapter 17 tells us, and the beginning of this very letter tells us that persecution had continued all throughout. They knew the dangers of being a follower of Christ. And so Paul said, pray for the safety of the messengers. While you and I wait for the coming of the Lord, we need to be encouraging evangelism. But Paul also writes that while we wait, we need to also stay steadfast. That's a very common theme in the letters of Paul. 
And it's true in these two letters to the church at Thessalonica as well. In fact, this very letter, 2 Thessalonians, had begun with Paul writing that he was thankful, among other things, chapter 1 and verse 4, for their steadfastness and faith in all the persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. And now as he draws this letter to a close or begins that process, Paul returns to that concept again. And he writes in chapter 3, verse 3, that God will be the one to establish you and guard you against the evil one. And why is that true? Because the Lord, he writes, is faithful. God is faithful. Or we might put it this way. We need to be steadfast because God is steadfast. God is always faithful to us. How can we continue through persecution? How can we continue to be faithful when there are so many struggles and difficulties around us? We remember that God is faithful. God will establish us. We mentioned this word last Sunday night, that God will turn resolutely in a certain direction. But Paul also writes that God would guard or keep watch over our heart. And I love verse 5, where Paul basically prays a short prayer. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. If we need to remember how we can stay steadfast, it's to remember that God has never given up on us. One songwriter put it this way, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. And even when I'm caught in the middle of the storms of life, I won't turn back, for I know you are near. And I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. And if my God is with me, whom then shall I fear? Oh, no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm. Oh, no, you never let go in every high and every low. Oh, no, you never let go. Lord, you never let go of me. And I can see a light that is coming for the heart that holds on. A glorious light beyond all compare. And there will be an end to these troubles. But until that day comes, we'll live to know you here on the earth. While we wait for the coming of Christ, we need to stay steadfast. And number three, while we wait for the coming of Christ, we need to shame the sinful. I really wish this wasn't in there, to be quite honest with you, because I don't like this part. But Paul makes it clear that not everything is positive in our work. I love that about the Bible, that it doesn't pull any punches. It tells us that there is a positive work to do, but also there are hard, negative works to do. The middle section of Second Thessalonians 3, that I believe Tyler is going to deal with next Sunday night, deals with this more than I will hear. But I love that verse 13 of the chapter tells us, do not grow weary in doing good. And what's the concept that we're not to grow weary in? It's trying to reach out to those who are erring Christians who have turned away from the faith or who are turning from the faith. I wish the Bible said, ah, just don't worry about that because it's hard work. It's frustrating work, but we must continue in that work. Paul says to take note of those people. Literally, the phrase is put a tag on them. That may seem, seem strange, but it's more than just noticing. It's being clear in that noticing. But also then, he says, we disassociate from it. That's hard to do, but it speaks to a larger issue. It's... Making sure that we do not condone what they're doing. And then Paul says we warn them as a brother. And so it's not that we fail to have any interaction. But when we do, it is focused on their soul. On reclaiming that soul. Or we might say winning back that soul. Reminding them of the wonderful fellowship they're missing. Because they're not being faithful to God. I hate waiting. I hate it. I don't like it in nearly any area of life. 
Most of us, if the light stays red for more than five seconds, we're ready to go. I don't want to sit there. I've got things to do. I've got a long to-do list. I've got a lot of other things that I want to add to that list. There's just constantly things to do. If, if I go to a doctor or a dentist or whatever and they say the appointment starts at 9 o'clock, I'm going to get there at 9 o'clock and expect to be done at 9.01. I don't care what, what's going on. I, I want to be finished and out of there. I don't want to sit in the appropriately called waiting room. How cruel is that for people who don't like to wait? But we're waiting for something far more important. We're waiting for the return of our Lord. For as we studied last Sunday night, His glory is appearing. But while we wait, there is work to do. And so it is right for Christians to sing, we will work till Jesus comes and then be gathered home. The question I want to ask this afternoon is simply this. Are you diligently working as God requires while you wait for that wonderful day that we sing and love so much, sing about and love so much to think about? Are you working the way God would have you to work? I dare say that most of us, if not all of us in this room, have put Christ on in baptism. But if you haven't, that's step one in making sure that your life is ready to meet Him. If you haven't done that, it's a perfect time to do that. In the middle of a good Lord's Day with people who love you, putting Christ on in baptism and beginning that walk of work. But this afternoon, if you are a Christian, been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and maybe you've just kind of been half doing it, Remember that God has placed us here, Ephesians 2.10, to be people of good works. Let's make sure that we are working. And this afternoon, if you have not been, or have not been as faithful as you should be, or just need some encouragement to continue on, we invite you to come while we stand and sing to encourage you.